Welcome, welcome anywhere from Mars with me, Steve Wraith, and Lee Clark tonight. Welcome back, Lee. How are you? I'm good, Steve. I'm good. Um, not far now. The team's obviously back in pre-season training, um, so not far to go until the, the new season's uh, upon us again. And uh, obviously lots of rumours going round about various different things now signing. Now. Yeah, there's loads going on, like that's that for certain, mate. I know you've had a few issues with your signal, keeps dipping in and out, so don't panic. If we lose you, I'll get you back on. Um, yeah, but I mean, before we start talking to Castle United, both of us are big fans of, of and, and, and involved in, in non league. And I, I've got a question straight in from Sean asking um, about the lower league football. How long do you think it'll be for fans are allowed back in in both teams? Uh, well, we've got good news on that, haven't we, Lee? It's, it's already been announced today, and, and Sean Muslin have seen it. Um, uh, Northern, well, basically, Northern League clubs uh, report that they'll be initially allowed a maximum of 150 fans at games, rising to 300 on August the 31st, or when are they, whenever they have played a friendly or competitive game in front of a smaller uh, crowd. So, I mean, it's, it's good news for, for Dunstan, for, for uh, Newcastle Blue Star, for all the non-league clubs today, mate. It, it's a hundred percent, Steve. I mean, this is the the lifeblood of the the of the clubs at this level. The fan base, you know, dictates what the clubs can do. That's the way they get the finance through ticket sales, um, refreshments, whatever you know, and uh, people staying after the game in the clubhouses to have a, a drink or a bite to eat or something. So, it's crucial for the clubs at this level to, um, you know, get this you know, get this response. So that was great news um, in, in, in something that we all look forward to. We want, and it's great to have the potential of fans coming back so you can have that camaraderie and you can chat with people while you're watching the games and that. So, you know, I know if yourself, Dunstan, you've had a few friendlies we, we have down at Blue Star, both home and away, and obviously just the officials are allowed um, into into the grounds, you know, behind closed doors, friendly. So, it's been a bit strange, um, but you know, I've got to say that um, the, the 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 clubs are trying to do the best that they can in, in the predicament that they're in. But this news will be welcomed by all up and down the country by all the clubs at, at the level that we're working at at the moment to try and get uh, so the, the fans can come back and watch. How did Blue Star get on uh, since since we last spoke? Uh, have they have they had any, had any friendlies? Uh, they've had two or three, yeah. I mean, what they've been doing, they're, they're, they're playing teams like of a higher standard, really, in terms of they've got... Uh, and I watched last weekend, they played Shildon, um, who are a well-financed club, you know, in the Northern League and done extremely well for an hour or so, just ran out of a bit of steam and Shildon ended up winning the game. They played uh, Prudhoe last night and won by a couple of goals. They've got... Oh, we've lost you late. Tough game on Saturday. We're down at North Shields. Uh, so that's, um, you know, what uh, the team's getting ready for. The, the, I think it's second or third of September, midweek, the first league game in the in the Alliance level for the first team. Um, we at Seton Delaville and then the home game on the Saturday, the 5th. So just getting the team prepped for that, really. Good stuff, mate. Well, good luck with that. Dunstan won 6-3 last night, had a, had a friendly against Burnley. They got beat on Saturday against Wickham, 3-0. Surprise result, that really. But 
you know, friendlies, friendlies are there like, to, to blow the cobwebs out. And, um, you know, when the real football starts in September, I'm sure Dunstan will be, uh, will be well up for it, as will uh, Newcastle Blue Star. And hopefully the Blue Star strips are still selling. Lee, I keep getting <laughs> messages from people saying that they've bought one, they've ordered one. So, uh, you I'll know, that's... Be I didn't. I didn't realise part of my remit was to try and sort. <laughs> out the replica shirts. <laughs> well, can, I, well. can I sort out that? Uh, they've ordered a triple XL top, and can I sort that out, etc. You know, you've lost us a little bit on the picture there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I have me. Yeah, but no one can still hear you loud and clear, mate. So, since we last since we last spoke, um, you know, obviously we were talking takeovers the best part of three months. We're still quite unsure what's going on with the Ruben. A lot of talk and a lot of rumours that things are going on behind the scenes. Some cryptic tweets suggest that that was the case as well. Then out of nowhere. We had um, Michael Chopra ride in, uh, you know, from 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 his far eastern home, and uh, he's now submitted a bid or he's working on submitting a bid on behalf of the consortium. It could only happen in Newcastle. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I wish I had stuck to my guns like the first time I uh, was talking about this, and I said I would never believe it till it actually had happened. So, um, I, I just. Oh, it's just got, it's got so up and down. Um, I put something on my Instagram account. I don't know whether to laugh or cry was my quote on it. And uh, that's the way I feel, you know. Um, just one minute you're up in the clouds thinking things are going to change next year on the floor. Um, but as we said at the start, the, the the football show is on the road again and we've got to get ready for the season. The manager has to prep his squad. He has to try and make some signings. Um, you know, it looks like Jeff Hendrick coming into the club from Burnley, um, following Mark Gillespie in. So, you know, need to try and improve the squad because you know it looked like it was a little bit, uh, a little bit slow, sluggish towards the end of the season. Needed that needed a freshness about it. So, hopefully, that can happen. Yeah, I mean, that you know, we don't really know a great deal about the job around. Takeover attempt. We just know what has been put in the paper. I've spoken about um, it assures me that it's a genuine attempt by I think, especially with the bid coming in less than than PRF, you know, from from Mike Ashley's point of view, then he's going to pursue that deal until it's completely dead, isn't he? Before he starts looking at other shows in town. Oh, I've lost Lee again there, unfortunately. Yeah, Trust said it won't update people until the official minutes are released by the Premier League. It could be four months if they're past letters or anything to go by. Good one, Barry. Yeah, the supporters trust meeting today. Um, obviously seen a few uh, seen a few comments about that. Um we'll, we'll get on to that with Lee at some point when he's back uh, on the show, which of course he is now. But yeah, I'm just saying 70 million pound less. Of Chopra's, you know, of Chopra's consortium, Lee. It's it's not one that Mike Ashley's going to look at, is it? Until you know, until PIF is completely dead in the water. I think so. I think uh, what what the thing is, Steve, is there's a real willingness. It looks like from um, the Saudis and uh, Amanda Stavely and Mike Ashley to get this deal concluded and try and get both other issues that have been um, put in front of them to tr that stopped it at the moment. So. 
you know, hopefully that one can be um, resurrected. And as you say, the way Mike's dealt with things in the past, I don't think it's uh, an offer for less of 70 million quid's going to entice him. So just, it's, I think everyone's still hoping and praying that there can be a a resolution and a recovery of the the, the deal that's broke down because that would be uh, the, the positive news that the Newcastle United fans would want. Yeah, Doug Morris has got his Newcastle Blue start what Monday gone. You must have delivered that lead, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I went and uh, I went and picked it up myself and delivered it. Yeah, hi, delivery van. <laughs> this is the problem with non-league. You do everything. You bottle washer and, uh, and everything. You get out. You get all the good jobs when you're the gaffer. Yeah, classic. Uh, Peter Robinson's asking you a question. He says, um, Lee, if you could change one result from your career, which one would it be? Barry Hogan suggesting it would be the Liverpool game that the end of se- entertainer season fell apart. But uh, is there a game, particularly in your career, whether it's Newcastle, Fulham, you know, Sunderland, whatever, is there one that you would particularly change? Um, I think in a playing sense, it would be the, the defeat, the Man United, the 1-0 defeat that give them the momentum. It was a real six-pointer at the time. Um, and if we had won that game, instead of losing it, that probably might have uh, got them disappointed, pushed us further away from them, gave us a bit more momentum as well. From a managerial point of view, it's an easy one, the, the playoff final defeat to Peterborough. Um, so it's uh, just to uh, get um, you know the Huddersfield promoted, uh, at that stage into the championship and we, we could have you know pushed really strongly on there because we had a very young exciting team yeah glenn o'neill's just said that craig hope has tweeted that it's just loans that we are looking at partly paying wages uh, he's quite depressed about that he's asking where the 35 million pound is i mean we're not going to be shopping you know we've discussed this before we're not going to be shopping at harrods oh we're going to be shopping at poundland unfortunately until a takeover gets done and um you know, loan deals is probably the best we can get. You've already said, I mean, the Hendricks deal seems to be taking an incredibly long time to, to get done. Um, I've seen a few people joking on that perhaps he's having a medical at Liverpool and then a Liverpool at, a medical at Spurs uh, to get approval that he can come and sign for us. Well, I mean, yes. you know, I, I, it is frustrating, isn't it? And, and, you know, if that is all we're going to be going for, and you're not going to get many decent strikers on loan either, are you? You'll, no, not at all. Um, clubs don't loan out uh, strike their best players, and they certainly don't um, loan out uh, strikers. And when you're dealing in the loan market, and I don't think any Premier League club, when they loan a player, should be asking for a reduction in the salaries because they're, they're Premier League football clubs that are earning multi, multi million pounds. What you do when you're loaning a player, you're not committing to a multi-year contract. So if you're only prepared, to, if you get them on a season-long loan, you've only basically got them for a year. Surely the rule should be that you pay the hundred percent. Because if you're going for someone, uh, any kind of quality loan signing, which is quite difficult at a Premier League level to start with, and you cannot pay that player's salary or you're not prepared to pay it, but you're not going to actually get a high standard of loan player because their clubs aren't silly. They're not going to be giving players to clubs on loan uh, and not being covered their 100% of their wage so the, the, the loaning club don't have to forfeit that. The 35 million we've talked about before, the 35 million in the past under, Steve, uh, under Mike Ashley, 
that's included transfer fee, that's included salary, that's included agents fees. So thirty-five million in the context of today's game is not really a lot of money. Um, possibly get you two decent. I mean, thirty-five million really. If you're looking at top quality, you don't get top quality for thirty-five million now. You know, you look at what Chelsea have paid for Werner. You look at what um, you know Manchester City have just paid. For Young Nathan Ake, centre half, that's over 40 million. It's it, it becomes difficult, you know. You, you've, you've got to be looking to spend if you're looking to bring top quality in. Um, you've and, and, and in the way that Mike talks about it when he talks about the budget, meaning the whole package. If we're talking about bringing top draw in, we've got to be looking at somewhere around 100 million more because when you're looking at players, uh, at the value of the figure that's out there at the moment. For Steve, uh, thirty-five million. It's not going to be the type of money that's going to attract. Because, for example, if we go for a Callum Wilson, you're probably going to think they'll want in excess of fifteen million, probably pushing closer to twenty million for the player. He signs a four. He's a young player. You sign him on a five-year contract. The contract's going to be worth over fifteen million over five years to the player. Um, so. You know, because an average Premier League uh, contract's around two, three million pound a year to the player, but you're bringing a striker in, they always cost an extra premium, the strikers, and um, so it's no, it's it's it when it's like that, it's it's a bit uh, worrying because I do feel this the squad needs freshened up, the squad needs improved, because um, if not, it's it's going to be. Uh, Another tough old season, and it's going to be an imperative, uh, good start of the season that we need a good start because you, you, we don't want to be falling behind. No, definitely not. Uh, Peter Robson says another one for you, Lee. Says I've managed kids' football for years. The hardest part, unfortunately, dealing with the parents. What do you find the hardest part of managing the Well, obviously, me just being involved in the senior game, um, don't have that issue probably the reason why I've never got involved in academy football in terms of, um, you know, with professional clubs. Obviously, my role at Blue Star is completely different where I'm looking over and overseeing everything from the youngest team all the way to, to the first team in terms of helping them, uh, bringing sponsorships in, putting coaching sessions on um, for the uh, the coaches to, to adapt to and also the teams. But for me, in the professional game, was the, the agents. You know, they, they they knew them and the players had the power. Us as managers and head coaches didn't and don't really have a lot of power. Hopefully, it's changed since COVID nineteen. Um, that could be the one positive that comes out of the pandemic in terms of football. Players have lost a little bit of power, certainly outside of the Premier League, uh, with salary caps going on in the Championship and League One, and League Two. Um, but. You know, for me, it was the, the 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 agents, the players through their agents knew they had the power. The newest managers weren't going to actually be, uh, weren't actually going to be in our positions very long. And it's very rare that managers do, and they know that. So, whereas when I first started management, the agents would call me if they wanted a contract negotiation for the player, or they wanted to had some issues. Now they just bypass us managers and they go straight straight to the chief executive or to the owners. Um, and and they know that so dealing with those is is a very tough and tricky situation at the moment. 
Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think um, you know, from my perspective as well, you know, when you when you look at you know Newcastle United uh, in particular, um, you know, with, with the management situation, Bruce has had his work cut out. Um, Let's look ahead slightly to, to what's coming up. He's got them back into pre-season training. What do you think his mindset is going to be like with um, you know, with the takeover still not done, um, with a with a diminishing budget or a budget which is non-existent? What do you think his mindset's going to be like? Do you think he's going to be focused? Do you think he's going to be positive and, and looking looking forward? Or do you think he's you know, do you think he's going to be sitting there you know, scratching his head thinking, you know, I just don't know which way this is going to turn out? I think personally, the way the way he is as a guy, I think he'll be really positive. He'll be outwardly to the players. Um, you know, he'll be backing them to the hilt. He'll be saying, "You've done terrific for us last season," in in the position that you know the club finished. Even though it frustrates me, I want to see them getting in the top ten and challenging. But that's where the club is at the moment. That's a standard of the squad we have at the moment. Um, but Steve's a, a positive type of guy. And as he's always said, and there's been this debate, hasn't there, Steve? It's his dream job. So he's not going to give up on it just because it's going to give you getting a little bit tougher. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's it, it's the one that he wants. So he's going to try and be positive. I think he'll be, you know, I'm not having, a, I think, Jeff Hendricks a, a good player, a good Premier League player. But is he an improvement on what we've got? Is he going to take us to the next level? That, that's what I'm saying. I, you know, I've got I've got no gripe against Jeff Hendrick. I think he, as I said, he's an international footballer for the Republic. He's done an an excellent job in a, in what helping Burnley become what they have. A real you know credit to to their club and uh, you know so. But it's not one that's you know exciting and thinking that it's going to take us to the next level. Um, and, and it is a huge improvement on the midfield players we already have at the club. And that, that's what it's all about. I think the signings that we have to make need to be t- ones that are going to go straight into the start and 11, going to improve us immensely. Uh, so it's, it, it's, it's what we... It's not, it's not a bad signing, but it's not one that's exciting for me. It's not one that's going to take us to the next level. But if, when we're dealing in the figure Steve's probably dealing in, it's probably a, a realistic signing, and so we can expect a few more of, of of those type of players coming through the door. Yeah, David Crohn's asking, how's Clarky feeling after his kettlebell workout? Have you been doing the kettlebells? I've been uh, me uh, PT stuck a video on. I, I made a stupid decision, and I went out with him. Me and my wife went out with him and his partner uh, on Saturday evening for a meal and a few drinks. So he's seen. Uh, uh, how much of the beer and red wine I was thinking. So he, he, he battered us on Tuesday morning when I was back in the gym. So and I think he stuck <laughs> it on his social media. I got through I got through it. I got through it. That's all I can say. Carl Chapman says, why has Chops' consortium gone public? Though we all know Ashley does his business privately. Yeah, it did surprise us that the when public so early, Lee. It's again it's never a good sign. Mike Ashley doesn't really like all of that being played out in public, does he? No, not at all. And I think we've mentioned this before most of the deals that get uh, done takeover deals are done and then they get then you hear about them you know that's why uh, you know there wasn't a lot of of rumours about the the Saudi stuff before then they made the bid that was accepted by Mike it wasn't a strung out thing like uh, you know what Michael Chopra's talking about with his consortium Um, but I mean, his Newcastle fans, It's I think it's another one, just a pinch of salt, really. It's just 
when it happens, it'll happen. And if it happens, it will kind of concern ourselves. We're worrying about it now. So uh, it's 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 just uh, I, I, I'm just focusing on the football now, Steve. To be honest, it's it, I just and if it if it comes off, hopefully by not getting caught up in it, maybe that might ha- make it happen quicker. Yeah, well, you know, let's let's keep our fingers crossed. A lot of talk about uh, Newcastle United supporters trust uh, meeting today. They met the Premier League, obviously, the uh, you know as part of their quarterly meetings with the Premier League. They managed to get the takeover on the agenda, which was great. Um, they have put a statement out, uh, according to a lot of the people watching tonight, essentially just saying that they've had constructive talks. Uh, Christopher tends to think that that means status quo, no progress. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, you know, the supporters, you know, going in and having half an hour with uh, Richard Masters is, is still, I, I suppose you look at it, it's still a positively, isn't it, that uh, fans are at least getting a chance to put their opinions across? Yeah, well, thankfully, the fans are being listened to. Um and are being allowed to, to state their opinions and, and, and what they think. It ultimately we always keep saying and it's the right thing to say, and it is it is true. The, the clubs are always about the fans. That's all that matters. And we can't just say it and then not act on that. So when the you know uh when the supporters trust have asked for that meeting and have allowed them and the takeover has been on the agenda, I applaud that. But um I just I hope this can something come out of it. Um, and, and it's it's not just getting uh, they're not just getting pushed to the side and getting told possibly what they want to hear, but no actions get done with it. Michael Hurst says, uh, question for Lee: If you were not a footballer, Lee, what job would you have done? Do you think? Uh, probably a male model. <laughs> no comment. I can't comment. Gloves, gloves and socks. I would have modelled probably. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. Um, Mark says, uh, breaking news, we've signed, we've signed Henri. Yes, Henri Savier. That is in the training camp with the rest of the lads. Uh, John, John B is asking if I'm keeping the beard until we get taken over. Yes, mate, until I'm walking down Saudi High Street. Um, that's something to keep the beard Len. Um, Lee, do you think Newcastle will stop up next season? And do you think we might finish higher than last season, says Tom Dixon? I think... Um... It's going to be extremely tough um, unless, as I keep saying, keep repeating myself, unless we start signing players who are better on what we've got and who are going to be straight into the eleven. if we... So, I think it, it, it's going to be... It, it, the season's going to mirror what we've had over the last five, six seasons in the Premier League. It's going to be very, very tough. Um, and I certainly don't see this squad uh, improving on... on on where we were, and and that's not a criticism of the players. That's they need help. They need some. I think they'll be a frustrated group of players. They'll want to see some quality coming in. You love it as a footballer when you see top players coming into your club. It, it raises the standards in everywhere on the training pitch, on the match pitch. It makes your job easier when you're playing with quality players. So I think um, you know at this moment in time that where we are at the moment. I think uh, if we I'd take, I'd take where we finished last season and that's not being, uh, you know, negative. That's just, I, I, I don't feel... Real? Yeah, I think it's realism. I don't think the, it's, the, the squad makes me more excited than that at the moment. 
No, I would agree. I love this question from Little Musgrave. Uh, if Lee was a player now, as a Newcastle fan, would he consider playing for the club in its current state, under the current regime, or would he look to go to a club that showed more ambition? Good question. Um, I've always said, um, you know, my situation when I left in 97 was because I'd got overlooked a couple of times and I wasn't playing as regular as I wanted to be at that time. If I was in the team every week um, and I was playing, I would, yeah, the, the, it's the same situation as what Alan was saying when Alan talks about he could have had the pick of Europe's top clubs. He could have went to Man United many times and he turned it, he turned it down. He knew it was going to be you know, something um, huge for this club to win a, a major trophy. And, and I'm the same ilk. If I was a player today and I was playing regular, even though the, the current regime are in charge that I wouldn't be happy about and, and, the, and the standard of the squad, you know, I'd feel the same if I was playing. I would be saying, you know, want to invest in the squad. I wouldn't be wanting to fight relegation battles all the time. But I'd certainly want to be there week in, week out. Because, you know, if I was playing every week, um, yeah, that that wouldn't be an issue. It's it's the dream position for any Newcastle fan and Geordie to be representing the club in the in the best league in the world. But I wouldn't be comfortable with the relegation battles uh, all the time, you know. Peter Davison says, "Is it true that Steve Bruce is trying to sign the Chuckle Brothers to improve possession? To me, to you, to me, to you. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a better." <laughs> Tim Ken says, uh, "Do you not think Shopra's deal is a smokescreen?" Um, I know a lot of people have suggested that, that, you know, it, it distracts from what's actually going on with PIF, PCP and the Rubens. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know. There's always, you, you wonder why they do come out in public. You wonder why things are released like this. You wonder who the PR people are. Um, is there a hidden agenda, etc.? You know, there'll be, you ask 30,000 different fans, you'll probably get 30,000 different answers or different uh reasons why it's it's happened this way um for me it's just it's it, it's in the background now because i said to you the, the team's back in pre-season training they're prepping for the new season i'm looking forward to that it's coming around very quickly again um so just getting ready for that and, and if the takeover happens it happens we've just got to get ready for the new season now i think Fixtures are out tomorrow as well, Lee, which is a day earlier than expected. They were, they were due out on Friday, but nine o'clock tomorrow, we'll find out whether it is, in fact, Leeds United away, which was apparently on the leaked list. That was so leaked, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. There's always a leak, isn't there? There's always a leak aye. on the strips or on the fixtures. So, you know, that, that somebody does that every year. Anyway, Recipe says, uh, Hi, Stephen Lee, do you think getting a swap deal with Gail and Ritchie for Wilson is a good idea? Or would you keep one of them? Yeah, that's a, that's one of the stories which keeps getting pushed out by the press, mate. Would you swap those two for one player or, you know, just try would, and get a better deal? I would prefer to keep Richie, I've got to say. But if it meant we're getting Callum Wilson, sometimes as a manager, you have to sacrifice certain things to get other deals over the line. So I think to get a strike out of uh, Wilson's uh, ilk, um, you might have to do that, even though I think Steve deep down would like to keep Richie. I think I would, me personally, I would like him around the club. I think his attitudes is infectious, his work ethic, uh, he's he's never gives up attitude. He, he plays in any position he's asked without complaining. But if it means you bring, you know, that coveted striker that we need of Premier League experience and Premier League quality international, um, you know, you might have to sacrifice uh, those two to get it done. David the Anderson problem, says, the problem, you have, oh, Steve, 
The problem you have, Steve, is you've got two players on Premier League contracts there going down to a club who I know have just been relegated, but they'll not be able to afford the lad's salaries that they're on, or they won't be prepared to pay those salaries um, in, in the Championship, even though they've got the parachute payments. So that's where you might have an issue in terms of when you're dealing with Championship clubs and you talk about swapping players. It's all right swapping them for the transfer fees, but those Championship clubs then have to cover or make those two players, Gail and, and uh, Richie, make them happy on their personal terms. And they're probably not going to be able to give them the money that they're currently on at Newcastle in the Premier League. Yeah. David Anderson says, could the focus on free and loan players be a positive that actually won't lumber new owners with long contract signings? I mean, it's a possibility, isn't it, that uh, maybe that's been agreed with, with a potential new owner? Potentially, yeah. I mean, but this is where we've been in the past as well, though. We've we've seen a lot of loan players, a lot of free transfer players. Yes, you know, you know the Joe Linton deal broke the record and Almiron was bought for decent money, but there hasn't been a lot of those type of signings. So, you know, you can, you can look at it both ways, but yeah, it, that could be one positive take from it that... The, the potential Saudis, because they know that this deal possibly could be resurrected, have said to them in this transfer window, just limit your signings to free transfers and loans, because obviously we don't want that added on to the, the price of the football club. Uh, Mini Dipu says, what's your thoughts about Jeff Hendrick, Lee? Uh, as I said, uh, talented uh, Premier League midfield player, play across the middle, can play in a wide area, coming in field. Um, obviously, a central player likes to get forward, gets a decent ratio of goals. I think good, good attitude, good engine, good work ethic. Uh, I've I've only bumped into him on a personal note a couple of times, and he comes across as a as a nice guy. Um, but you know, not not superior to what we have. So uh, that that's just the the concern for me. That's all. Yeah, that's fair enough, mate. Uh, a lot of people talking about Hoffman, saying he shouldn't be anywhere near the Premier League. Uh, Paul Oxley says, uh, how well is your son doing at Newcastle? And do you think he'll go uh, on to play in the first team? Good question, Paul. Well, certainly that's not something that you can predict. It's so up and down when they're young. That, is that my dream? Of course it is. That would be an unbelievable feat for, for me to have done it and then my son to have done it. And I think that's personally his dream as well. Like I said, every Geordie's dream. Um, he hasn't had any football since the second week in March, since lockdown. He's due to go back at the end of August for training. So he's been like a bear with a sore head. He's been getting some one-to-one -one coaching. Um, he's been doing his own fitness work. But in terms of group activity, he, uh, he hasn't been allowed to do any of it. And, and they're not back into in his age group into the academy till the 31st of August. So he's looking forward to that day because it's been a tough period uh, when you're a young player. And uh, so, and, and as I said, he, he's, he's done well so far. He's, he's, he's made us very proud, his family, of what he's achieved, both at academy level and international football. Um, but there's a long way to go. He's got his he's got his foot on the bottom rung of a very long ladder, and uh, there's lots of things that you have to contend with to become um, a Premier League first team player. And um, I think he realises that, but he has the mentality, and uh, we'll see where it goes. And we'll be here to support him every step of the way, um, and, and 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 see what the future holds. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed for him. The real KDK asked a question before. Do you think Hayden's going to get a move this window? Um, 
I don't know. I think uh, I think it looks from the outside where he's got quite a strong relationship with Steve Steve Bruce. I think he played he, he played for him at Hull, didn't he? So they have a little bit of a bond. He seems because I you know his performances um, you know done quite well over the course of the season in terms of his individual performances. It all depends, Steve. I think is is that is that it's all I see in getting his move. But is there any takers out there? Do you know what I mean? Who are going to play what Newcastle want for him? I know. I know. He stated in the past the moves for personal reasons, and his family's back down south, and he wants to be closer with them. So um, we'll see. But I, it looked to me like he he looked like he was quite enjoying his football and. Is he going to go to a bigger club than Newcastle United if he moves? That's another question. So, um, let's let's see, let's see. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's um, yeah. It, it's an interesting, interesting situation we're hearing because you know we gave the impression that he wanted to leave under Rafa, but he seems to have settled under Steve Bruce. So you know it'll be interesting to see how all that develops. Tom Dixon says, "Do you think Miguel Almiron should play in a better position to score more goals for Newcastle?" We had this discussion last night. A lot of people talking about Almiron. You know, saying you know, he, you know, he, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't really hit the heights that people were hoping he was going to. Do you think that's down to positional play? Um, yeah, and possibly, and and also what he's playing with, you know, and this isn't me being uh, knocking Joe Linton over the head again, but ultimately, if you're playing as a second striker or a wide man, you do need someone to play off. You do need that target man. You do need your number nine to hold the ball up. You do need your number nine to make good movements. You know, people talk about some of the strikers I was lucky enough to play behind, and they made the game so simple for me. For example, you know, Allen's uh, strength and movement and, and and accuracy with his finishing meant that you just had to put the ball in the right areas and you knew nine and a half times out of ten it was going in the goal. With Andy Cole, you knew you just had to play the ball over the top into space and he was going to outrun and outpace the defenders and have the ability to finish. Um, you know, Les Ferdinand, any type of cross that comes in, he's going to be hanging in the air to, to power at home and, and et cetera, et cetera. So... You, you sometimes only as good as the players around you, and I, I do believe he could be an exciting number ten if Steve continues to play with a four-two-three-one system, and Almiron's the, the the second striker behind the main striker. But he's going to have to have a, a seriously good partner to make him look better as well. It's it can prove difficult if you're playing in that number ten, which is the main assist role and also a secondary goal scorer. Um, you do have to have someone at the end of it, at the top of it all, to be able to set it off. And, and they, they're the ones who make the rest of the team look good because they're the ones that do the toughest part, putting the ball in the net. Yeah, that's 100% true. That made definitely, definitely. Yeah, Daniel Varley says, God bless you guys. I'm praying for the takeover to happen. Uh, thanks very much for that, mate. James says, I think if we get Wilson, a winger and a left back, we'll stay up. That's the level we're at, sadly. Yeah, a lot of lot of hope going on, on Wilson coming in, I think. Uh, Magpie Bryce says, where's all the TV money gone? Yeah, a lot of people asking questions about where the money is. Do you think the Longstaffs will play for England, says Stu? I believe both of them have the capabilities of doing it. Um, I think what they've got to do this season is try and focus on um, being regulars in the team. Um, I know they've they've had a bit of disruption with injuries, both of them, over the course of the season. So one thing that is, uh, you know, he uh, the both of them can stay fit and then get regular positions in, in the starting eleven. Um, and And if they do that in the show, the form that they have, 
in spells since they've been in and given opportunities in the team to do that on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, it's they've got a they've got a real good chance, definitely. Yeah, Tom Dixon's asking, what do you think of Bayern Munich versus Barcelona? Uh, were you shocked with the scoreline? Uh, I wasn't actually. I, I remember um, texting one of my friends after about it went one-one after about eight minutes, and then after about fifteen minutes in, I remember texting one of my pals to say this could easily have been four-two after fifteen minutes. So. To see the results and the way Bayern Munich then ran away with it, I mean, I think they got off lightly, Barcelona, in the end. I think they could have been hit uh, for double figures. Um, Bayern just turned the screw. Um, Barcelona are a squad, a fantastic squad of players who've taken that club through a decade of success that you would never believe. But everyone's time comes up at, at the end. You know, nobody can beat for that time. And some of those players are coming to the end of that of unbelievable careers. And unfortunately for Barcelona, a lot of them are coming to it at the same time, the same era, because they came into the group in this it, together. And so it's going to be a big rebuild job for Ronald Koeman there. I, I love watching that Barca team when it was in its prime. And, you know, it was memorising, but it was... Oh, it was. It was. It. I've. I've. I've actually enjoyed the, the new format of the Champions League and Europa League. You know these one-off games in in countries. I, I think it's something that UEFA and FIFA should possibly look at going forward. Because if you had fans there, they'd be magnificent. You know the occasions be like you know mini tournaments like that. I think they've dished up some real exciting games and um, some shocks along the way in both competitions as well. So I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It's uh, certainly a little bit of food for thought. Some of the things that have come out of the lockdown situation with football are definitely worth looking at and keeping there. Mr. DGM says, how much do you think the takeover has an impact on the players and their ability to stay focused on football? Will players be affected by it, Lee? Um, I can only speak from a personal point of view. Whenever there's been things going on at the clubs I've played at, beyond our control, and it's never really... It's never really... Uh, in got involved in my head in terms of playing. I mean, I've been involved in clubs where there's there's been a disconnect between ownerships and, and, and fans. When I was manager of Blackpool, and that had a massive effect because the atmosphere inside the stadium was really awful, you know, and, you know, the negative comments towards the, the board of directors and the, the lack of numbers because they didn't want to come while that regime was running the club. And it's had an adverse effect. Home games actually didn't become home games anymore because there was a huge amount of negativity. And I wasn't blaming the fans at all on that. They felt their club wasn't being run in the right way. Um, so uh, it, it can't do from a managerial point of view or when it gets like that. But certainly something in, in terms of a takeover where it's not causing a lot of controversy uh, in, in the, on the terraces uh, or what have you. Um, I don't think that will play on the players' minds. It's not going to affect their futures. They're on long-term contracts, etc. Uh, Mark's asking, what happened with Mark Hottager at Newcastle? He said he looked a class full-back when he came in. Did he not settle? I mean, Mark, he wasn't there a great deal of time, but I mean, when he was there, he, he never let us down. No, I think uh, Mark, in fact, settled really well. He was He's a terrific guy in the dressing room, really, you know, bought into the camaraderie. He was obviously very close with Philippe Albert, um, but was, yeah, a, a good player, very good player and a, and a cracking lad. I think he might have had a scenario where he probably went out of the team a little bit and then decided to move on. I think uh, 
nothing sinister. I think, and and the lads really liked him. Uh, you know, he was he he really bought into what we were about, and uh, certainly was a good player as well. Uh, Biz Widget says a question for Lee. Don't you think uh, Lee uh, that Steve Bruce will find it hard to attract quality first team players due to the uncertainty surrounding the club, and also because the club lacks ambition? I think definitely those two. I think players, like I said, top quality players don't want to be stuck fighting relegation battles all the time. Um, you know, and you might have, you know, you, as I said, you want to have that ambition to come and, and, and be in the top end of the table. Yes, and as well as the takeover situation, if they don't think that's going to happen, are the club going to be just fighting for survival? And the money situation the finance, what the, the budget, the transfer of war chest, what they call it in the media, that's going to affect the type of team you're going to have as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of negatives to, to, to point to attracting the real, real top players for the Premier League without a shadow of a doubt. But I know, like, if, the ambi- I know if the ambition was there in, the, in Newcastle, what had come out and say that, you know, that they'd had enough of been at the wrong end of the table and want to try and challenge to break into the top 10 but mean it anyone can see it Steve anyone can say we want to be in the top 10 we want to challenge for Europe but you have to back that up with strong actions and that means bringing quality players in so I think uh, you know that that would be the key but at the moment it looks like it's 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 going to be another long tough season I agree. Life Goal says, if you'd stayed in the first team ahead of David Batty and Dagleach had wanted you to stay, do you think you would have had a shot at the club appearance record? Dagleach wanted me to stay. They offered us a new contract. Uh, when I decided and spoke to them and said that I was looking to move on, they actually were ready. Freddie Fletcher, Freddie Shepard, Sir John Kenny, Dagleach were prepared to offer me a new contract. Um and so there was no being pushed out the door by the manager. It was my personal decision that my time had come to an end and I needed nothing more frustrating when you work extremely hard Monday to Friday in the training pitch and then on a Saturday you're only getting the odd appearance or you're getting coming on as a sub for 15 minutes or 20 minutes here and there. So, um, and if I had stayed, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, certainly in the outfield position, um, uh, as I said, I retired in 2006 and if I had stayed at the club till then, from making me debut in 1990, um, yeah, there would have been a great chance of his, his breaking the record. But, you know, all ifs and buts. Stephen Carrick says, do you think the takeover would have gone ahead if it had been a top six club? I mean, a lot of people feeling that there's a bit of, you know, there's a bit of um, foul play going on. You know, a lot of people feel that, you know, we're being voted against. People don't want us to break the monopoly. Do you think that's the case? Well, there's been that rumour, hasn't there, that... Um, of, of, of certain clubs um, making points to the Premier League and I've already been on record to say if that's the case I'd be really disappointed I know Manchester City and their court case that they just got cleared with felt that there was 8 or 9 was mentioned by Pep Guardiola 8 or 9 Premier League clubs that wanted them to be banned etc and I'm just one of those of the belief that you should just look after your own club. Don't get involved in anything else that another club's trying to do, i.e. takeovers or what they're trying to do and in, in how they recruit players, young players or whatever, whatever the charge was or the financial fair play. Um, so I'd be disappointed if, if that had been the case so without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, David Crohn says, how did you cope after you hung your boots up? We know a lot of players do struggle um, you know, when they hang, you know, hang up their boots. Yeah, well, listen, that was another decision made by me. I, I decided when I was stopping playing 
I could have carried on for another at least a year, got another move somewhere else in the country. I know four or five other clubs were interested, but I was getting the opportunity to go into the coaching, so I didn't really have a lot of time to to get concerned with, um, uh, you know, hanging up my boots and, and, and stop playing. I, I had a new career to look forward to, and, and, and that's what I tried to do. Life Goals has come up with a solution to the takeover. He says the dream would be if you and Steve Watson and Robbie Elliott could somehow invent something and it'd be worth a combined fifty billion and then purchase the club. Any event <laughs> any inventions on the horizon? Uh, I, I don't know, but I need a pint of all that guy's on. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's drinking a pint of rose here. Mark says, What was it like playing with a genius Peter Beardsley? I nearly strangled me mother. She knocked him over in Marks and Spencer's before a game once. What was it like playing with Pedro? Ah, Peter was a sensational footballer. Um one of the very best, if not the best, to wear a black and white jersey. Um, could win games on his own, uh, you know, scoring mesmerising goals to making goals out of just ridiculous passes. So, um, nah, sensational footballer. Uh, and, and you know, could just, was a magician, could do, could both feet, just made, made just done what he wanted, really, on a football pitch. I remember one day down at Spurs where we won two one. He scored two identical goals, dribbling from the halfway line in and out of players and smashing the ball in the roof of the net both times. So, an absolute top draw player. Now, Warrior says, "What do you think of Davies at Everton, Lee?" Um, yeah, similar. Henrik is he good? Good Premier League player. Is he better than Matty Longstaff? Is he better than Sean Longstaff? Is he better than Hayden? I wouldn't. I would probably, you know, put him. It, it best level with them, so for me, not a, not a necessary signing. Uh -huh. Mad Mark says Chion Bura has just announced she'll be presenting a petition on Premier League transparency and accountability following the collapse of the takeover when Parliament returns next month, which is good. Mad Mark says that all Newcastle fans should sign it. Uh, Chris Collins says Pedro and Gaza are on a show with you two would be class. Would this be possible if Gaza is in a good place? Gaza is okay at the minute, but um, yeah, you know it would be difficult getting them on here. I have asked Peter, and Peter's not um, you know not up for doing a show at this moment in time. I'm sure in the future uh, he may well come on and, and, and do one. Neil says, uh, what was Shearer like in the dressing room? Did he ever lose it with anyone? <laughs> many times, many times. We all. Uh... We did. We did lots of times, you know. As I said, it was that mentality that uh, desperate to win the game and whatever we needed to do to, to get that result uh, so we could enjoy each other's company after the game uh, in a good mood after winning. We'd done it. We got it. And, uh, you know, Alan was a funny guy, uh, very humorous, good uh, in on all the pranks with everyone, typical Jory lad. And uh, so... <clears throat> No, it was, it, it, we were all like that. We all demanded lots of each other. And if it meant, uh, you know, having a pop at each other in the dressing room in terms of verbally, I never really got into too much physically, but it was the odd occasion. But uh, no, I was. that's what we needed to do to get results. Nicholas asks, do you keep in touch with Barry Venison? Just the odd time, you know, not, I wouldn't say a regular. He now lives in California. Um, so he's he's done well and he's out over there. So them blonde locks will be getting blonder and uh, the suntan will be doing well, I would have thought. 
We've got him on to do an interview. If you search the channel, we've got uh, we've got uh, essentially one interview with Barry. He, he refused to come on with his face. So, I mean, he, you know, but God knows what he looks like. He could have grey locks by now. Like, he could be like <laughs> you and me. All as a coot. He could, he could be, he could be. <laughs> uh, Mark Dumbican says, uh, Batsuai or Dini would be a good fit. What's your take on both of them? I take Dini above Batsuai. I actually tried to say Troy Dini for Birmingham City. He's a massive Birmingham City blue nose he is. Birmingham City fan. He's got a Birmingham City tattoo on his leg. And uh, I, I tried to sign him, but I was miles off on the personal terms. I couldn't get anywhere near what he was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't come, <laughs> he couldn't come to terms with our terms. <laughs> Frankie says, "I thought Hayden bought a house up here after he decided to stay because of the fans. I think he'll. St uh, I think he's still signed itself just a club being tight-fisted with contract renewals. Yeah, everyone's got a, a take on that." Uh, Mark says, "Lee, who was the toughest tackler you played against?" Uh, probably Roy Keane or even my early career when I played against Brian Robson when I first went into men's football and played against Man United and uh, Brian Robson hit us with a tackle and it was just he, 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 he smashed into my shoulder he hit us in the stomach he hit us on the knee and the ankle the hip all in one tackle it was just being hit like with a train like and uh, I thought dear me is this what men's football is all about and then uh, <laughs> And then Roy Keane was a bit ferocious. Vieira was obviously a very, very powerful midfield player as well, you know. Uh, life goals again. He's on a roll tonight. He says, as a coach, why do you think players like Zlatan and Ronaldo are able to remain elite as they approach 40 when England's Wayne Rooney, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, etc. seem to be washed up by their 20s? Just that mentality. If you if you go and, and you watch uh, behind-the-scene footage of how Ronaldo does his business he he employs his own team of specialists so he's got his own physios masseurs fitness coaches yoga teachers whatever he's leaving no stone unturned to be the best he can possibly be and what that's delivered is one of the best players of his era of any era really um same with Zidane they don't cut any corners they've got the natural talent but they've got the work ethic to, to match that and they've got the willingness and the dedication uh, and that will to win they have the fire in their belly as well and I think uh, you see what you see what a supreme athlete Ronaldo is it's it's phenomenal uh, Les asks how many of the current squad would you keep if you were the manager Lee is anybody who you'd ship out which ones would you would you break a, a gut to keep well, well well, listen, Steve, it's a difficult question because it all depends on what I, what I would be allowed to do um, with uh, the, the, the funds. If I was allowed to reinvest, um, was I getting any more on the budget? How much are the players being valued at? For example, you know, you're not going to get 40 million back for Joe Linton. You know, how, what are you going to get back and, and, and what can you get for that? You know, there would be four on the top, the top of my head now, there'd be four or five players. But it all depends on what you can try and bring in. You know, you, you, you don't leave yourself bare. So it would be, a, you would need to know where you are, where you are at in terms of what, what you would be allowed to reinvest in the group. Uh, Michael Hurst says, quick question for Lee. Did you pick a song in the dressing room before kickoff for a match? Did you, did you have control of that jukebox at any time? No, no, not really. Um, never got involved in that. And, and when I became a manager, 
some of the tunes that were being put on. Uh, weird games used to do me head in because at least at home games, I could go and sit in my own office and, and watch one of the early games that were on TV or whatever. But in the weird games when I didn't have an office and I had to hang around the dressing room and some of the music that some of these young lads put on now, it's just boom, boom, boom. It's just oh, headache material. I used to, we couldn't wait until the team went out to warm up so I could turn off the air. The the, the 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 big microphone thing that I had in the dressing room. David Crone says um, that you did invent something, Lee. Uh, you, Watto and Robbie Elliott, you invented uh, an empty pint glass. <laughs> it wasn't empty for too long. <laughs> Aaron Hunter is asking if you've got any funny stories about Tino. Any that you can tell? You got a good one? I think was is a, a lot. Is obviously I think I've told the one about the uh, club car when um, he's he's interpreter. I used to drive for him, and then he decided uh, there was a big um, there was a big press release at St James's where a big major car dealer uh, it provided the club with new cars for all the players and the management staff, and we used to get them changed every six months to a different model. So we went across the whole range of the car company. And Tino decided that this was his time to start driving. Didn't need his interpreter to drive him anymore. So he, he collected his car keys, got the, the promotional picture taken with the, the dealership in front of his car, drove off outside, passed outside the Millburn stand, across Barrack Road, and then we just share a big smash as we're still getting our photos taken. And Tino walks back across the car park at the Millburn stand with his car keys in his hand and says to the guy, Tino needs new car. He just wrote his car off as he drove across Barrett Road within 30 seconds. So, <laughs> so that was one of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Tim Cairns is asking, have you got any funny agent stories? Any stories about agents that you've had to deal with? Um, you might not you might not be able to name names like but I, I'm trying to think uh funny ones. I mean frustrating ones of course, but uh no I I'd need to think and come back here like next Come back on that one. on that one. Yeah, yeah. We've had this we've had this question a million and one times. You haven't got that t-shirt, it wasn't your t-shirt. End of story. I'll answer that one for you. Uh Frankie <laughs> says, Can you get David Janola on? Um, any funny stories about Janola? We've asked David Janola's agent. I mean, I've got David's number direct, but you've got to go through his agent, sadly. And it's again not something for him at this moment in time, but I'm sure potentially he might come on at some point. Um, any funny stories about David? Yes, um, we if you remember um when he first came, one of our pre-season friendlies was down at Russian and Diamonds, or were owned by the guy who owned Dr. Martins at the time. So we opened their new stadium and on the way back, he, he was staying at the Gosforth Park Hotel and on the way back, he, he, he was speaking with the lads and me and what, Steve Watson were up there and he says, oh, I, would, I wouldn't mind going out into town for have a, a bite to eat and a few beers. So <laughs> me and what, straight away, yeah, we, we'll chaperone you around, no problem. So we're, we met in the Three Mile Inn, uh, had a few drinks, bite to eat. Uh, we met there about 12.30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon the day, next day. And it got to about four o'clock and Davy turned to me and what and says, Okay, lads, thanks for a great afternoon. I'm now going back to the hotel for a steam room and a um, a jacuzzi and a massage. And we says, No, no, David, when you come out like us today, you stay out. So then <laughs> five or six hours later, when he's down the town and me and what are banging our bottles on top of each other to see which one can fizz, he must have thought, What are these? 
But I remember I'd done a story about it because the next day in training we had a real tough running session because it was pre-season still. And me and Watto were at the front of the queue and he was green at the back. And I remember him coming in. I remember him coming into the dressing room afterwards and says, you two, guys, you two guys are crazy, man. How can you drink all that beer last night and you just run if nothing's happened the next day? <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. James asks, any funny initiation song stories? We've seen a few of them and uh, on Sky, I think, over the last couple of days, different ones that have happened. Any funny ones from your point do, of view? Do, do you know what? Players get more now. Uh, there's two groups of players. There's ones who are brilliant and they mm -hmm. have all the backing music and they get right into it. And then you have the other group and they get so nervous. You know, I've seen players who just absolutely dread that first day in a hotel away with the team where they've got to do that in an initiation song. And it's 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 so daunting. Um, I remember when I took Alan Thompson down to Birmingham on the coaching staff, and he we played Middlesbrough away uh, first game of the season, and that was his, that's where he had to do his initiation song. And he'd done a bit of Neil Diamond uh, blue jeans, and he just went into one, and he just started as if he was doing a proper gig, bring, trying to bring the players into it with him and all that. He just went over the top, but the lads loved it. They thought it was great that one of the staff members was like that. Brilliant, that. Absolutely brilliant, that, mate. Um, just read the Chronicle. They've got an article in you. Yeah, I've seen it on Nicky Papavasilou, the first Cyprian to play in this uh, Premier League. Either of you remember him? I do. He put the ball through, I think, for Andy Cole to get his our first goal in the Premier League when we got promoted at Man United. I think that was the I think that, that was, was his big contribution, wasn't it? Yeah, he had that them curly, them curly hairstyle, didn't he? So yeah, he was a good he's, he's a good player, good left foot, Nicky. Um I've seen the picture of him. Uh, change now, got us all short hair now and is managing over in Egypt. So he was a talented player. He, he picked up one or two injuries and couldn't really force his uh force his way back into the team. Uh David Crone says, Who did Lee model his game on? I didn't really pick a specific player, but obviously players in, in, in who I was growing up watching who played in my position and was obviously you know, close to was Paul Gascoigne, you know, but you, you can't you don't model your game on Paul because he was such such a talent. He was a one off, you know, but they were the like the, the, the midfield players of the era that that I that I looked up to. Didn't specifically model myself on anyone really. Ian Stevenson says he saw me at a stiff little fingers gig. Yeah, you definitely did. Um, thank you, mate, for saying I've got good taste. He says, What what's Clarky's take on punk music? Uh I'm more of a, a, a jazz or rat pack me. I like the old sonata. I was brought up and all that stuff with my father, you know, and uh, that's that my type of cool music or the punk stuff. I've got no preference to it, but I'm not like jumping around with a Mohican and nutting people and stuff like that, if that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> not all of it is. Biggest regret in football, asks Luke. Um, Just... You know the the setbacks when um, obviously not winning the playoff final, as I said, uh, with with Huddersfield, um, there was big games when you you don't and obviously not not getting over the finish line to win the Premier League. As I've said many times, there's not many people, uh, not many people got um, a Premier League winners trophy. So you know it would be a fantastic achievement to have been one of those chosen few. Last two questions. One to Barry. He says, um, who was the greatest player you signed as a manager? Uh, well, uh, 
the ones who went on to make an impact were were, were, were quite young, and obviously young Damari Gray was a player who I give his debut to at sixteen, after only playing two hundred twenty three games, and he's went on to become a Premier League winner with Leicester, and a very exciting young player. Um, you've got the Jordan Road story where we take from Ipswich for three hundred and fifty thousand, and he becomes a a huge goal scorer outside the Premier League, and is sold for over twelve million. So there's there's those type of players at, at the lower types of level, you know, and a young lad at Kilmarnock who I give his debut to when he was 16, scoring his first goal for Celtic in a Champions League qualifier the other night, Greg Taylor. So it, it, mainly young players like that in terms of, of, of what they do, you know. Yep. Last question. We'll give it to Stu. He says, as a manager, did you prefer to get your transfers done early or were you made to wait until the end of the window to get value for money? Which way did you like to do it, Lee? I, I like to try and get them in as early as possible so they can get the full pre-season with the group and the, you know I usually used to take the team away on a training camp abroad either in, in Austria uh, where we went with Birmingham or Spain uh, with various clubs and stuff like that and, and where we can um, break, bring them in and they're living each other 24 hours a day then and the new players can settle quickly but it's not always that simple if, if you want certain players uh, there's other clubs in for them and you're having to fight them off as well. So even though you would like to have done that, it doesn't always work like that, you know. Yeah, great answer, mate. Uh, thanks for all your comments, guys. Lots of positivity. Lots of people enjoyed it. Please give it a like, hit the thumb and then uh, please share it as well. And if you have watched for the first time, please subscribe. Uh, great to have you back on, Lee. And, um, you know, another seven days. Who knows? We might have a new owner. You never know. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. And some new Good. players. And some new players, mate. Good luck to Blue Star. If they've got a game before we speak again, mate, I'll uh, I'll give you a show for next week. Take care, mate. Cheers, Steve. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Great to have Lee Clark on. Uh, tomorrow night, of course, I'm back with Supermac and John Gibson. And then Friday night, we will have uh, the three amigos, me, Steve Hasty, and Neil Mitchell. Saturday, we're going to have another worldwide show. They seem to be really popular with people. Um, so that gives you your next three shows all around about the six o'clock mark again. Uh, but if you haven't, uh, subscribe please give a, a subscribe to the um, you know to the channel it's been absolutely fantastic to have uh, you know so many people do that and uh, please give a like and a share to the video take care guys have a good night